UK Cambridge Centre podcast. In this Integrated Cancer Medicine Research in Focus series, I talk to various ICM members about their research and how it is supported by the vision of the Mark Foundation Institute for Integrated Cancer Medicine. MFICM research uses cutting-edge analytics to maximise the use of diverse high-volume datasets and by capturing cancer heterogeneity in time and space in patients receiving active treatment. Integrated Cancer Medicine aims to transform the way the world treats cancer by affecting patients along their treatment pathway and ultimately accelerate cures. Today I have with me Rebecca Lucy and Lindsay Druitt from the Precision Breast Cancer Institute at the University of Cambridge. Rebecca and Lindsay are both clinical research associates and honorary clinical fellows. They both coordinate delivery of chemotherapy and targeted therapy in the early breast cancer setting and also manage recruitment to the clinical trials of patients in the Personalised Breast Cancer Programme and the Partner and Partnering Breast Cancer Clinical Trials. They are employed by the University of Cambridge, but also have an honorary contract with Cambridge University Hospitals, so are a bridge between the research and translating it into the clinic to impact the patients. Their research is supported by Cancer Research UK, the Mark Foundation Institute for Integrated Cancer Medicine, the Addenbrooke's Charitable Trust, and is in collaboration with AstraZeneca. So ladies, thank you so much for joining me today. To start with, please, can you both explain to the listeners what your jobs entail? Rebecca, should we start with you? Yeah, absolutely. So I guess as you've alluded to, we're in the very lovely position of having a job that's quite varied. So we've got a clinical research and trials part of it. I suppose the overseeing and looking after patients throughout their journey on various clinical trials, but mainly partner in PBCP. But then we've also got the clinical side. So we have a day that we do in the clinic, seeing patients and looking after their chemotherapy or their follow-up. And Lindsay, is your role similar or are there differences? The roles, they sort of run in parallel, really. So we both have the same clinical commitments. We both contribute to the Personalised Breast Cancer Programme and the Partner and Partnering Clinical Trials. And then we have a few slightly more separate projects that we each work on individually. So I've been part of setting up a translational trial in the early breast cancer setting, which is called Activate. We're hoping it will be funded and ready to recruit patients later this year. That's really exciting. And what does that trial, what will it be looking at? We'll be looking at whether we can see a drug hitting a target for a particular subgroup of breast cancer patients. So it's it's lots of really exciting translational endpoints. Yeah. Okay. And Rebecca, do you have a similar project that you work on on, yeah. on your own? Yeah. We are looking at setting up an outreach programme for children in secondary schools next year, which is kind of talking about, I suppose, cancer treatment, both from what we do as oncology doctors, but also some of the cool science that's coming through. And then a little bit about kind of the patient pathway and their journeys. So obviously that's in quite early stages, but we're looking at getting that set up this year to start next year. And that's really interesting. So is that targeting those students to inspire them to have a career in science or in, in healthcare? So we're hoping to do a bit of both. So looking at teenagers who would be interested in going into healthcare as a career and having some talks that are focused and more on that side of things, but also people who are just generally interested that there's a little curriculum that they can pick and choose things that they might like to come to, but not might not necessarily be interested in a career in healthcare and want to come along to all of the talks. Great. 
And how long have you been doing these roles? I started in this role in February 2020. And I've been doing it for a shorter amount of time. So I started in September 2021. Okay, and perhaps both of you could just describe what a usual day looks like for you, or perhaps you don't have a usual day, but if you can just tell me what you do day to day. Um, Rebecca, should we start with you? I think a great part of it, it is it is so varied. So, you know, one day a week on a Thursdays, we have a clinical day where we do clinics and we see patients. Another day, it might be a troubleshooting aspects of the trial it might be writing up a paper, doing a presentation, having meetings with people we collaborate with or within the trial. And it might be a mixture of all of those in one day, which I think makes it nice and varied. And there's a little bit of flexibility in there to, I suppose, prioritise things for the week and, I suppose, get involved in little projects along the way. Sure. And Lindsay, can you tell us what your day looks like? Uh, I guess very, very similar to that. So very varied every day slightly different I think one of the best things about the job actually is the number of people that we work alongside lots of projects that we're working on involve collaborating with other teams and I think that's really rewarding actually and part of the job that I really enjoy and where would those teams be based across the hospital across the university all over the whole spectrum of the biomedical campus Absolutely. So yeah, it seems to be, I mean, obviously local teams. So with the personalised breast cancer programme, that's the local team behind that. But also, you know, we meet regularly with Illumina who sequence the data for us and an outside team. But yes, we collaborate across the campus really. So we have strong links with the CRUK Cambridge Centre and the Cambridge Institute as well. Can I ask you, how do you set up a clinical trial? Lindsay, perhaps you can take that one first. I've been lucky enough to um, be introduced to this in 2021. Essentially, it's uh, quite a long and involved process. So I think the fundamental part of it really is to have a, a, a really good idea behind it and a reason to be doing it. So whether it's a trial in the clinical translation or preclinical setting, it, it really does need to have a purpose and a meaning. And then I think you need to get together a group of people that are able to contribute to the development of the trials. So tapping into all the expertise that's available is really key. And then I think at a very early stage, actually involving the patient group. So thinking about the aspects of the trial design that are really important to the patients really early on and being able to communicate the design of the trial and the underlying ideas to them in lay terms to be able to make sure that you take their feedback and really use it to shape the trial as it goes along. And then lots and lots of meetings to sort out the finer points. And then really a grant application is probably the next step. So again, making sure that you've got a really solid foundation for all that you've done and presenting that in a good way to whoever it is that you'd you've chosen to be funding and then once that's achieved then I think it's the ethics side of things and to start thinking about the actual logistics of how the trial will open yeah I think it's a, a long and rather drawn out process but I have learned an awful lot in the last short while about doing that. Yeah it sounds like a very lengthy process from start to finish to when you actually start to recruit your first patient. Yes yeah. And how would you optimise the way that the trial runs? I guess it sounds really simple, but I think making sure that you're talking to people and have strong connections is really key. So whether that's sort of the people that you work with 
Um, so making sure there's strong links within the team so everyone you know, feels comfortable bringing up problems and being able to troubleshoot them. And also having strong links with the patients who are actually within and on the trial. I mean, the patient-facing members of the team would have quite a lot of patient contact on the trials that we work with. But then there is also the patient advisory group that Lindsay had talked about earlier. That's really key to seeing what works, what doesn't work, and making sure that you're taking that advice on board and acting on it and changing things to keep things running smoothly. Sure. Lindsay, do you have anything to add? It's something that I think both of us have been learning along the way, but it's a really big part of what we do day to day, actually, with the personalised breast cancer and the, and the partner trial. There's lots of work done in the background. If there's a sort of a sticking point or a workflow is just not quite right, a lot of our time is dedicated to that and trying to find different ways of working or better ways of working. And that can be incredibly rewarding. Yeah, of course. You're sort of the engine that runs the trial and the point of contact between the patients and the researchers. So I can see that could be really rewarding. How does the fact that these trials, so for example, the PPCP and the partner and partnering, how does the fact that they're multi-site complicate your role? I think it definitely complicates it in that, of course, when you work with a number of sites, they work in different ways. They have different facilities. And we, we've got the, a mixture in that our main trials are partner, which is well established across, I think, about 40 sites in the UK worldwide. And then PBCP, who has just gone multi-site very recently in the last couple of months. And certainly I think getting it set up is one of the sticking points and where all of these problems come about. But equally, it's incredibly rewarding when you are working with multiple sites and sorting these issues out and really important that we are collaborating and the learning that's coming from these trials and the opportunities for patients isn't just something that's within Addenbrooke's within Cambridge but that we're collaborating with people and making that happen across multiple places. Yeah absolutely Lindsay what are your thoughts on that? Exactly. And I think I think what's really important, probably the foundation for all of that is that every patient diagnosed with breast cancer nationally should actually have the same access to the research and good standard treatment that, that we have. And I think that's something that we are most definitely working towards and going multi-site really does contribute to that. Yeah, I can see that. How much interaction do you have with the research or the researchers or the wider team? I'm thinking about perhaps bioinformatics or clinical genetics, for example. So we work quite closely with the bioinformatic and the clinical genetic team. So that really comes into its own in the personalised breast cancer programme. We have a molecular NDT meeting as part of that programme where every patient's genetic data is essentially discussed in an anonymised fashion so that we can make sure that the recommendations we're making based upon it are exactly right. Contributing to that are the bioinformatics team for the um, somatic or the breast cancer tissue side of the data and then the clinical genetics team, so the clinical scientists as well, to make sure that we've got the germline exactly correct what patients have inherited that might have predisposed them to developing their cancer. My next question was I know that you both co-chair the molecular MDT which is multidisciplinary team meetings and can you tell me what happens in these meetings so you've alluded a little bit to it there Rebecca do you have anything else to expand on that? The molecular team meeting that we've got um, is where we've got a lot of different professionals so that's the oncologists, the clinical geneticists, the bioinformatics team, the scientists 
all coming together to have a look at the sequencing information that we've sent off from the patient's tumour. Now, of course, a lot of this work and a lot of interpreting of this is done beforehand, but this is all very new science that's being done. And there's always questions that just, you know, need people to collaborate and experts to come in and weigh in on so that what we know that what we're feeding back to the patients is based on the best opinion out there and, and that we're not feeding back something that's got a question mark over it so that we've come to a consensus. Everyone in that MDT is very helpful, very collaborative. I think it works really well. It's a lovely meeting to chair. We summarise the patient's sort of clinical situation in an anonymised fashion and then talk through the, the genomics. So actually linking the two in that meeting is one of the most important parts of it. And how do you feed back the findings from these meetings to the patients? Do you do that or are you part of that process? Yeah, so we are part of that process. Um, so the patient, when they consent to the personalised breast cancer programme, they can select the method that they'd like their results to be delivered. So, you know, some patients prefer them to be posted or emailed and other patients prefer a telephone call or for the results to be delivered to them in person in clinic. So we try and go with what they have selected. And if, if it's a result that needs to be delivered by a clinician, then that can be one of us, or it could be uh, another clinician who's saying that they're happy to deliver the results on our behalf. And um, so we get to speak to the patient directly about the result, but what the implications of it might be, and then what the next steps are going to be from there. How do you develop the studies and what are the plans for the future? Obviously, Lindsay, you've told us about a, a future trial that you've been involved in setting up. Um, what else is in the pipeline? It would be lovely to be sure that the clinical trial that I've been talking about will definitely be funded and go ahead. And I very much hope that is the case. I think for the personalised breast cancer programme, it's all about going multi-site and it's all about making it a national programme rather than just a local one, because it's got so much goodness within it and to give. I think the, the partner clinical trial at some point will, will reach the recruitment required and then the partnering clinical trial, which is a sub-study, will carry on. That's another really important area of research. And then I think the, the next trial will come after that. So all the work that I was talking about in general terms about setting up clinical trials, that should already be underway so that you've got the next trial to be open. And how about Rebecca? I, I guess mirroring what Lindsay said, because we have the lovely opportunity to work in Cambridge, where we're surrounded by so much world-class research, a really exciting part of the trials that we're part of is they're not just the trial itself, but also with the patient's consent, the information that's gathered and the samples that are gathered are used to collaborate with some of the labs on the biomedical campus. And that information can be used to further their research and that can lead to further things that can improve outcomes for patients. So that's, I suppose, a really exciting opportunity with these trials. And I suppose where a lot of the research that comes out of them, even when they're finished, they'll continue to give back. How has the pandemic affected your work? I know it's affected all of us in different ways, but particularly with a patient facing role, it must have affected your work quite significantly. So some of our clinical trials within the unit were affected by the pandemic. So luckily we had very few that had to completely grind to a halt, but that did happen. Mostly trials were able to carry on, but with lower levels of recruitment. 
What I did at the beginning of the pandemic was to begin to try and collect some data for the Cambridge Breast Unit as a whole, just to look and see what treatment plans are being changed and try and find some patterns really with the aim to provide a bit of a framework for future waves of the pandemic and God forbid other pandemics. And as part of that, I surveyed a really large group of patients and I'm planning to publish these results um, in the not too distant future. In summary, without going into too many specifics, our patients were really keen to take part in research despite the pandemic. They felt that, you know, they still wanted to be asked about research, they still wanted to contribute to research, and the research was still just as important to them during the pandemic as beforehand. And actually patients felt as if they were missing out if they hadn't been approached. And I think that's something that I, I really hope to make widely known that this is how the patients feel and, you know, really have their voice heard. Absolutely. It's really interesting, isn't it, that despite all the health concerns and the worries, actually they are still so focused on the research element and contributing to the next generation of research for the next patients and for themselves. It's really positive. Yeah. And the uptake rate of your approach to patient for a clinical trial, I think about 80% of patients will want to participate in research in Cambridge. I mean, that's absolutely outstanding. We must not let the pandemic ruin that. We've been seeing less of our patients in person and more we've been reviewing by telephone and some by video calls. I think we have still been reviewing patients in, in person and will continue to do so. That's really important if somebody is what we'd term a new patient to us, so somebody that's quite newly diagnosed with their breast cancer or it's the first time they're meeting a, the oncology team because the amount of information that we need to convey is huge and it's much better to be able to do that in person and to help try and allay some of their fears. And then for our patients on treatment, if everything's going well, then actually we've heard that they much prefer a telephone appointment. So they'd rather not come and sit in a clinic waiting room, you know, waiting for us to call them in. They'd rather be able to get on with their days and be interrupted, hopefully for a short period of time by us and a telephone call. So, so that's been quite eye-opening, really. I it's think an interesting positive that's come out of the pandemic. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I think we're, we're learning as clinicians how to almost sort of triage our patients. So how to make sure that the ones that we're not quite sure about, we are bringing in in person so that we're not missing things that we would otherwise have been there to see. And I think in terms of the sort of research work that we do, everything being online, again, I think has been quite a positive. So it's enabled, you know, more people to attend meetings. Everything seems to be a bit more accessible. I think it's just enhanced the spirit of collaboration, to be honest. I mean, there are some negatives, obviously, and perhaps less variety for the working day in terms of location. But yeah, there are actually quite a few positives that I think have come out of the pandemic. That's a really interesting perspective. Rebecca, do you have some thoughts on that too? Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I guess as with everything, there's positives and negatives. And of course, with going online and over the phone, there'll be power outages, there'll be problems with technology, there'll always be some downsides, but there's definitely been more upsides in terms of being able to collaborate, people being able to make, for example, our oncogenomics review board or half of it where otherwise they wouldn't have been able to. And I think particularly for some of our patients that are on a yearly follow-up from trials over, say, 10 years, 
in the best case scenario and in a lot of scenarios these patients are back to their busy lives they're back at work when we're calling them four years later and they'd much prefer to get a telephone call and be able to tell us yes everything's perfect here are the information that you want and now I can get back to my day then come and have to take a day off work and have to look after childcare and various bits and pieces. For sure. And I'm really interested that you feel that you've been able to tap into extra expertise almost in a way because you have that opportunity online rather than having to have everybody there in person. Definitely. Yeah. What impact do you think that this research will have on patient treatment outcomes? I think with the with the personalised breast cancer programme, I mean, the beauty of it is the real time aspect of it. So the data is being sequenced while the patient's just been diagnosed and is starting on treatment. So actually, when the results are returned to them, it's it's quite a quick turnaround, which is brilliant. So the actionability of the data we can use for that patient rather than it being for the next group of patients that come along. So the patient that originally contributed hasn't actually benefited. That's really important. Is that a big change? Is that a step forward? I think it's, it's a huge step in terms of research in this setting in general. Absolutely. Yes. So part of the very early stage of the personalised breast cancer programme was a feasibility study. So can we turn around the data in that period of time? And, and that was achieved. So, Rebecca, thinking about the Cambridge Cancer Research Hospital that will be opening hopefully in 2026 and bringing the researchers and the clinicians all together under one roof, how will this help you in your role? I think it will be incredibly helpful both for researchers, clinicians and people working in between. It's incredibly useful when people are in an environment where it's just much easier to collaborate and talk with each other. For the clinicians, that might be more visibility of the research going on around more of an ability to get excited, get engaged, maybe get involved. And I suppose from a researcher side, maybe being more aware of what the clinicians are looking for for their patients, what the gaps in the clinics are. And maybe if they're looking for someone to collaborate or work with that's in the clinic, that's an opportunity to do so perhaps in an informal way or, or in a way that they weren't expecting just because they're close by and they're working closer. Yeah, absolutely. Lindsay, do you have anything to add? No, I think that was really nicely explained. I guess it's, it's an opportunity for the researchers to be closer to the patients, actually, exactly as, as Rebecca has said, making sure that the research is actually centred around what is important for your patient group, especially in the preclinical setting, rather than sort of going off on a tangent, something that might not actually be beneficial, but is thought to be exciting. The other thing, I guess, is taking that patient population with you. So really thinking about how they can contribute to the direction of the research in the preclinical setting. So, you know, can we involve them a bit more in directing that research? Because I think at the moment that really is lacking. How does being situated in Cambridge influence your ability to do your job? And how do you think that the research done in Cambridge can reach patients nationally or even globally? So I think it's been incredibly helpful for us. There's a lot of other clinical research going on as, as, as well as a lot of very exciting basic science and translational science happening. That's I suppose on one hand it's very inspiring for us and gives us lots of ideas about things that we can do and people we can collaborate with but it also does offer us those opportunities to collaborate and make our idea and our, our trial that, that's happening more than just with one trial with one aim but you can collaborate with other clinical trials or share samples or data with some of the labs to lead to more than just what you'd maybe originally had the idea for in terms of moving 
this really exciting research from Cambridge to other areas, we think it's something that's really important, making sure that your patient that's coming up through Cambridge is not treated any differently than a patient that's coming up through somewhere else is a real aim. One way of that is, is making sure that the information is getting shared, that you're making it a priority to go to meetings and, and present your results and make these findings known, but also making sure that you're working with other places as well. Multi-site, as we talked about earlier, making sure that the lessons that's learned and feeling involved, getting involved, um, and actually having patients from different areas of the country that might be slightly different in terms of the outcomes that you're getting from one place versus the other, because of course things will be done differently, is taken into account when you get these results. Cambridge is a really inspiring place. I just think the level of expertise, but and also the facilities here, is just outstanding. And it's an absolute privilege to be part of that. I think one of the best things about that is the motivation that comes from it on an individual basis. I think it inspires the next generation of research. And I think for us as early career researchers, that really is the core. The people around us are fantastic role models. They provide us with opportunities to really take the next step in our career. And actually, that's just incredible. Absolutely. Can I ask you both where you see integrated cancer medicine taking us in the next five to 10 years? Lindsay, can I start with you? I think that in the next five to 10 years, we're going to really leap forward in personalising the care of our patients. And I think that is where the future of cancer medicine is, you know, it's already on that track, but we're going to get even further. And that's really exciting. So we're going to improve not only the survival of the patient population but also the awful toxicity that they currently have to experience on that journey I'm really hoping that we can improve both of those things. And Rebecca? I think more research and stronger links within the cancer teams and you know the clinical and science teams can only lead to better outcomes for patients and perhaps a swifter journey from bench to bedside and back to bench can only be a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. And my last question is, where do you see yourself in the next five to 10 years? Can you tell me what your career path aspirations are, Rebecca? So I start with you. So I'm in a slightly earlier stage of, of my career. I hope to start medical oncology training at the end of this. And the idea would be to take what I've learned from this job, integrating the science with the medicine into my training and further career. Brilliant. And Lindsay? I've completed my medical oncology specialist training. So the purpose of this job really was to delve into the research side because that was something that I hadn't really been exposed to in a great amount before. I feel like I've really reveled in that and I've really enjoyed this role that I've had. So not just the clinical research, but also the translational side. And I think I've realised that it's a huge privilege to be in the position to be able to bring that clinical setting into the into the preclinical research so what I'd really like to do is hopefully launch into a career with research embedded in it would be brilliant. That's fantastic well I wish you both all the luck in the world and would like to thank you so much for having this conversation with me today it's been absolutely wonderful to speak to you both and such an interesting conversation thank you very much. Thank you for having thank us. You.
if you want to find out more about the work of the Mark Foundation Institute for Integrated Cancer Medicine, please visit our website at www.integratedcancermedicine.org, where you can find details of the ICM vision, all the current research, clinical trials, resources, publications and team information. You can keep up to date with our latest news and events and you can also sign up for our newsletter. If you would like more information about the work of the CRUK Cambridge Centre, please go to www.crukcambridgecentre.org.uk or you can connect with us on Twitter using our handle at CRUK Cam Centre. Thanks for listening and do join us again soon.